This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the only Newport County podcast that's made by the fans for the fans. Joining me on this sombre Sunday evening, uh, we have Ollie and Ed. How are you doing, guys? They're not too bad, mate. Um, I believe this is the first team debut for me now. I had a, a run out in the energy drink cup <laughs> and I've been roped in for a League Two match. So, no, it's awesome to be on. I'm also fine. I'm just intrigued, Reese. Are you sombre about royal events or are you sombre about the game yesterday? I mean, I can leave that open to interpretation. <laughs> fine. We'll do that. So, as Ed has alluded to, uh, we played Barrow at home yesterday. And previously, we uh, we had Stevenage on Tuesday night and uh, Barrow yesterday at home. So, how do we feel about how we set up at Stevenage? We clearly set up with a, a plan in mind to match their physicality, maybe try and get an away point. We made changes to that effect, kind of match their, their size and physicality. And for, for 45 minutes, it seemed to have worked. What do we think there, guys? I think, as you said, Rob reset up with the idea of it being quite a physical match, I think. Um, if you look at Stephen, it's how they are set up under Steve Evans. It's a lot of physicality. It's a lot of... Um, I battles all over the pitch and it's a hard fought game. So the inclusion of uh, a Farquhar and or a, a Bennett in there, you kind of feel like that was always a plan to get in there, have a bit of a scrap and kind of win the battles all over the pitch. But um, playing Matt D. Dolan and Scott Bennett as a two is quite a dangerous and worrying situation in League Two. I think as individuals, they're both good players. They both bring individual elements into the squad, but to have them out there as a pair, you know, they're not the fastest. They're not exactly technical. They're not got the physicality that some of the other players we do have. 
I feel like it was a little bit of a mistake from Robri in in that selection. See, to me, I, I thought we were close to doing what we set out to do. We were much closer in doing what we set out to do against Stevenage than we were against Barrow, which we'll doubtless talk about. Um, but against Stevenage, it felt as though we thought, yeah, let's match them physically, uh, hopefully keep a clean sheet. And if we can get a clean sheet in a waypoint, then, you know, that's a that's a good result. It gives us a, a platform. Um, and apart from the moment of skill that saw the goal, that kind of broadly worked, even if it, it wasn't great to watch. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm sort of with Ollie a little bit. Uh, although I think I think Dolan and Bennett have got you know some good technical ability, and Bennett showed that yesterday with a few sublime bits of skill. But yeah, they are not going to keep pace in midfield, and so I'm I'm not convinced they can work together. I know uh, Ian, if he was here, would be foaming at the mouth because he thinks that they they can combine but yeah I'm I'm with Ollie I I think it leaves us very exposed if anyone has a run at us and um yeah kind of charges the midfield I wonder how they would have fared with um if they'd played Mariah Walsh in there as well with his he's, he's he fits that fizzy mold doesn't he if you played kind of Dolan and Bennett but added added fizz in there then um you know I think in the right partnerships in the right trio they they may function but that being said it, it didn't work on on tuesday and uh rung the changes for yesterday as well um five five changes much more attacking lineup ollie how did you uh how did you feel when you saw that lineup were you pleased that we looked to be trying to take the game to uh barrow yesterday i was a little bit shocked with uh, the inclusion of bennett as a kind of center back or where he fit in with the team um, I think obviously the worst of the two on Tuesday night was Dolan, but I don't think that Scott Bennett was much better than him. Um, it was good to see uh, Hayden Lindley finally make a debut. I think he played quite well, barring that penalty, the little mistake that happened there. Um, it's good to see that Amiki Dimitri and Nathan Mariah Wells came back into the lineup because. I feel like it's a thing for us whenever a player isn't in the starting lineup, we all go into panic stations and we all think the worst here out with another freak injury. But I feel like it was more of what we've been trying to do this season. It's five back, kind of pass it about, wait for them to make a mistake and then try our chances with a bit of a counter-attack. But it's not really been paying off this season and you kind of have to think to yourself, at what point does Robri see that it's not working and decide that we even need a formation switch or a little tactical tweak? Well, I think there was a formation switch yesterday. It seemed more of the the four box two yeah. yesterday. Although, yeah, I thought that. looking at the um, the map that Martin put up on Twitter yesterday, Lindley's position was almost between the two centre-backs. He dropped there to receive the ball um quite a lot and he he kind of sat in that very deep role almost kind of trying to quarterback it um for a lot of the game didn't he um I thought he looked good there I I I really liked the look of Lindley um but as Ollie said uh and yeah Robry kind of alluded to with you know when he was talking about individual mistakes I mean you could see it coming from um, from miles off that he was going to give away that penalty it was uh it was it was like watching a slow motion car crash. Like you knew 
he was going to go to ground and the striker was then going to go over and he was going to win the pen. And it was to watch that unfolding was awful. And I also thought, yeah, Lindley probably needed a bit more of a response from his teammates after that to kind of put an arm around him. And because he, he was like a bit of a rabbit caught in headlights for five or 10 minutes after that. We dominated possession without really creating anything. And Lindley was great at just recycling possession, but never really cut through the lines. He hit a few lovely um, kind of sprayed balls out to the fullbacks, um, which no one else seemed to want to pass to the fullbacks for large periods of the game. But yeah, maybe it'd be nice to see him when he's got that space, maybe drive into it and then play the passes. Um, because we did we did dominate possession. I think we had one shot on target, which was in the 65th minute, a tame effort straight, straight at the keeper. Um, really just not creating a lot. Ed, what, what do you think we're lacking when we're trying to turn this? We, we're not able to turn this possession into goals at the moment. Yeah, well, we, we've already alluded to it. I mean, I think teams come to Rodney Parade knowing that we'll pass it back and forth across the back line forever and they can leave us to it and come away with at least a point. Um, you mentioned the graphic that Martin posted, which basically showed that most of our passes are along the back four but we're lousy at getting it to Bogle, who, you know, let's remember, is our best player. Uh, I, I think it, I was watching, it, during the second half yesterday, I was looking and thinking, it's impossible for us, it's possible to imagine us countering quickly like Barrow did to good effect. You know, even if we got into the position from which they scored their first goal, uh, we'd probably stop, turn it, turn around and pass it all the way back to Mickey for no apparent reason. Like, we just look... It's like we start getting a nosebleed as soon as we get outside our own half. And even when we are passing it along the back line, we actually don't even do that brilliantly. If if teams press us, we give it away with surprising regularity before the ball's even made it to midfield. And I, I guess my worry is that we've just become so easy to play against. You know, you just do a high press, don't give us time on the ball, wait for us to panic, and eventually we'll gift you a chance. There's been multiple moments of the season where the ball gets passed back to Nick Townsend and then your heart's in the throat and you go, right, I know how this ends now. It gets passed about and then there's a scuffed ball and they get through and they score a goal. So it, it, it it's kind of like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You kind of look at it and you go, right, I know what's happening here. We've seen this countless times this season. It also feels like we don't play it into the midfield. It gets passed around the back. Then it'll go out to Norman or whichever Lewis we've got. And then they'll hit a long ball and hope Omar Bogle or someone gets onto the end of it. Well, and, and Lewis yesterday, you could see he wanted to get forward and was trying to get into a more advanced position because the space was opening up in front of him on that left-hand side. And Dimitriou was either not passing to him or was telling him to get further back. And it, it, like that was massively frustrating because the one player who had a bit of space to go into and was trying to do it was not getting the ball and being told not to do it. And I just found that bizarre. I think there must have been a tactical decision there because in the second half, um, Adam Lewis was in acres of space. There was no one within 20 yards of him. And Demetria would look his way then look back inside and try and play a 30-yard ball to Norman through through two defenders. It's hugely frustrating just to see this, the simple passes on. And I was getting a bit frustrated with um, Waite and Nevers as well because Nevers just kept running 
across the pitch instead of running at a defender and engaging them, which is what we want him to do. You know, he quite often ran diagonally and just eventually just ran out of space and turned around and passed it back. And Waite was the same. He laid the ball off once and there was basically the defenders split the two centre-halves and there was a path through to goal. And if he'd run straight at goal and someone had played the ball, he would have been in. But he ran away from goal. I think this is the problem with playing Nevers alongside Bogle. I said this in the group yesterday, that we might need a proper striker to complement him. Because Nevers wants to create things. You saw it quite a lot that he was trying to get crosses in the box. But then we've only got one striker. We're playing a two-striker system, but we've only ever got one in the box. But, but who, who, do you, who do you bring in, though, Reese? Because I, I, I agree with the point. But like Nevers seems to me the best option that we've got available. Zanzala is, is the obvious one, but he's out injured. Zimba hasn't quite found his form yet. I'm... Uh, uh, there's um, Lewis Collins, but, uh, you know, again, I think when he's had his chance, he's not grabbed it. So, I, I mean, I can agree with the basic point, but, like, who do you play up, so, uh, uh, up front alongside Bogle? No, I agree with you there, but the problem, I'd like to see Nevers playing as one of our tens in the in the four box two, but we haven't got anyone else to play up front. You need a almost a Padre Gammond to Bogle's Jamil Matt hmm. to be in and around him um, when these when these balls are dropping. Um, and at the moment, we don't seem to have that player. Is it possible that Will Evans could come into that role? So I feel what he did quite well at against Portsmouth in the energy drink cup is he ran around a lot. He was sort of like a, a Robbie Wilmot in a more advanced role. He'd run around a lot, he'd get the ball and he'd make things happen. And it's kind of bordering on the same as what uh, Never is doing at the moment. But you feel like with Will Evans, he's got a bit more of the attacking intent in him and possibly could find that pass to get into Bogle. He had a good eye for goal as well in the in the Welsh League. Um, it's certainly something that, you know, if you're looking for a replacement there, he could be one of them. Um, another player who, talking of not grasping their chances, I said yesterday that I don't think um, Priestley is up to the standard. He is physically imposing, but he doesn't use that frame. He doesn't seem especially quick compared to the players around him. And he's not great with the ball at his feet. Yeah, there are a lot of wayward passes for sure from him. He got lucky with a few friendly whistles from the ref as well, where he got himself in some trouble and went to the ground and managed to get a free kick where he could have easily lost the ball. Do you think he's, he's got that potential still, or do you think he's another David Longking? I really like the lad. I think he's um, an excellent person and he seems like a lovely bloke, but unfortunately that doesn't win you football matches. Um, like you said, he's got that physical, imposing like, like frame to him, but I feel like he's a bit scared to use it because oftentimes you see you know, regular bread and butter fouls um, get uh, given away as a free kick or a yellow card. So maybe it's to do with inexperience and not understanding what he can get away with and what he can't get away with or how to read the ref in the course of a game. But I think when you look at the centre-backs we've got, I wouldn't play him over a Mickey Dimitrio or a James Clark. Even Scott Bennett can do a job as a centre-back, but I feel like he's still got the potential there. It just needs a bit more polishing and maybe a 
bit more time in the nothing games like the Spotify trophy. The experience point, I think, is the interesting one. You know, he's played a, a decent amount of football, but not necessarily at, at this level. Um, you know, there's other players, Lindley, we've already spoken about, Adam Lewis, who can look good for, you know, 75, 80 minutes of a game, but will have those little lapses in concentration. And I don't know, yeah, I think you were saying, Reese, that maybe we need to kind of double down and just just sort of pick some experienced fourth division players. We've got a core of the squad who's got a wealth of uh, League Two experience. Do you think now is the kind of the time to to double down on that if, and lean on those, you know, in in this bad spell, lean on those players with experience? We played almost, I think all of our lone players started yesterday. Do you, um, you know, between our goalkeepers, I think they've got 350, 400 League Two games. They've got loads of experience. And then you've got the likes of um, Norman. Aaron Lewis has probably got 50 League Two games, at least. Clark, Dimitri, Bennett, Dolan, Wilmot, Bogle. They've all got they've all yep. got a you know a wealth of experience. Do we, do you put an eleven out with them plus two in the next game? Yeah, I mean, I would. Um, I, I I think I think that's kind of where we're at now. And. Robry was hinting at it. He keeps talking about individual errors. And if you look at it, those errors are often coming from the players who might be technically um, very good, but perhaps are the ones lacking experience. And um, uh, I was texting um, David as the uh, Atletidion account yesterday. And uh, he he said wisely that, yeah, we need the kind of dose of Flynn-esque pragmatism, which I think is probably true. We're, We're at the stage now where we we need to be pragmatic, you know, f- the process for a couple of weeks, f- the focus on XG and passes per defensive action. Let's just, yeah, do what you said, Reese. pick the most experienced 11 at our disposal, sh- how's our way to back-to-back wins, settle the nerves, and then think how to bring in some of the youngsters and how to win prettily. I mean, I'm I'm not fussed about Tuesday night against Forest Green in the Scab Trophy, but next Saturday against Carlisle, we need a result that we can build on. And at the very least, I think that probably means keeping a clean sheet. And uh, that's weird coming from me because I always say that I want to be entertained. But right now, nerves need settling. Um, and I think if Robry can show that pragmatism, then there's every chance he can turn it around. But something's got to give because we, we can't play again like we did yesterday. I'd like the fact that you mentioned league to experience, but it's also experience with each other because... And what you have to remember in all of this is we've brought in 11 players and a lot of them are already in the starting lineup. So I put a tweet out yesterday where I felt like the defence was quite disjointed. Um, there was no midfield. It felt invisible and, um, and the attackers were a bit starved. It felt like a team that hadn't really played with each other for a while. And then you have to remember that they haven't played with each other for a while. I think individually we've got brilliant players but football is a team game it's not 11 players playing individual games it's 11 players playing as one unit so when you've got players who haven't really got the strongest of links with each other like a Mickey Dimitri and a Declan Drysdale they've only played a handful of games at the back with each other but if they're playing a Mickey Dimitri and a James Clark who have played you know a season of season and a half of football uh, alongside each other, then you can start to see 
a bit more of an understanding between each other. It irons out those individual mistakes because there was a lot of times yesterday where passes were made, but the player that the pass was aimed at was about 10 yards away from the ball because yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not really understanding where each other are. Cameron Norman was a real was, was really guilty of that. There were loads of times when players were passing out to the right wing where he should have been, and he was he was nowhere to be seen. He just kept sort of finding him out finding himself out of position. The clearest example was the James White step over, where he oh, stepped yeah. over the ball, and it would have been a perfect ball had Cam Norman actually made that run. Instead, it just went out for a throw-in. But I think people were slagging off James White around me for for that. But I thought, no, he's done the right thing. It's just Norman hasn't gone to where he should well, have been. It's a mix of both. He obviously doesn't yeah. have a picture of the game in his head to not know that that he hasn't made that run. But also he's trying something. So I can respect that. You make a good point there, Ali. And I thought of a similar thing on the way home yesterday that, you know, the transfer window closed two weeks ago. And uh, we were signing players up until deadline day. Some of these players haven't had pre-season. Some of them have. So that's a very good point that you've made there, Ali. And, and also... We said it in a previous pod, and I think you. But it's even more relevant this season. You know, last year, it was. It took until October for Azaz, Cooper, and Kane to really find their groove and find some consistency. And we'd had them, you know, pretty much when the season started from from memory. Whereas, yeah, you're right, Mariah Welsh, Lindley, they've come in a lot later, so we have got to give them a little bit of time, which, again, I think is a good reason to maybe not expect them to gel whilst playing in the first team in league games. You know, maybe we do need to pick that experienced eleven that you're talking about and then bring them on and bring them through in some of the cup games and as subs until they're so that they can get to grips with it slowly. We're, we are throwing them in at the deep end for sure. So shall we, shall we address the elephant in the room? So, um, Robri, Robri in or Robri out? Ollie, we'll start with you. Oh, in my head, I've kind of penciled in as uh, Leicester away in the energy drink trophy is the kind of point where we make that choice of Robri in or Robri out because it's 11 games away, so he's still got some time to turn it around. If a manager does come in at the moment there's not a transfer window for him to bring in the players that he needs. So it's throwing more ideas at a group of players who are already looking a bit lost. And I feel like after that cup game, we're going to be a bit more financially stable. But um, if we were to sack Robert at the moment, there's a few interesting kind of experienced League 2 managers who are currently out of work, the likes of... Uh, a Graham Alexander, uh, a David Artel, or a Paul Tisdale. Also, we've got options if we do sack Robri, but I, personally, I'm still Robri in. Have you got a different opinion there, or have you uh, had a bit of time to mull it over? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, like a lot of people, um, I was fuming on the way out yesterday. There was there was real anger, I think, yesterday, um, and pain actually more than than anger. It felt like a watershed moment that. The people who were walking out of the ground and saying we needed a change weren't the the usual like head cases or the people who just want to look edgy on Twitter. It was people who were, who were pained to see an honourable man struggling. I think I think he probably can turn it around. 
But we do need to start with a clean sheet on Saturday. I think that's really important. I mean, my biggest worry is that Robery is making a good group of players, and I think it is a good group of players, into less than the sum of their parts. And that's often the sign that a change um, is is needed. And, and he is clearly struggling. I think one thing that was indicative of that was the amount of time he spent yesterday chuntering at the officials. Um, Warren Feeney used to do exactly the same at the tail end of his time. And it, it's something that you you sort of notice when you sit um, where I do, sort of up above the dugout. And I think it's massively counterproductive because the linesman and the fourth official aren't going to change their minds. So, you know, focus on helping your players, especially the likes of, yeah, Lindley, Waite, Mariah Welsh. You know, Robery is meant to be this visionary coach who helps to improve young players. So, yeah, I, I, I want to see him focus on that rather than grumbling at officials. And I want to see us just find a way to get a clean sheet next Saturday. I think it's it's really big game given the change in mood that you could tangibly feel around you on uh against Barrow yesterday what, what do you think Reese? I'm I'm still um Robrian. given time it it probably will play pay off later giving him a chance um but I acknowledge there's only so much we can take as long as we're still kind of not quite in that relegation dogfight I I'm comfortable but if you start getting dragged into that scrap somewhere you, you know you really don't want to be then then that might change unfortunately I think another performance and another result like yesterday I think um, like you say the the attitude from the crowd will probably force the the club's hands you know Flynn had bad spells and I was looking back at some of his bad spells and he had this knack of whenever he had three or four losses on the bounce he'd win one and then yeah. he'd lose another three or four and then win one. And I think that's what saw him through. Even, you know, I think we had one spell at one point where we won something like three in 21. But where those wins were, were just when the pressure was on. He also managed to make us relatively good at home, which, of course, is where most fans watch us play. Um, and that does make a difference because... I know that we've had good wins away in the cup and, you know, we went and had that 4-0 at Harrogate. But when we've lost, is it now 9 out of 10 of our last uh, 10 home games? You know, that that pressure is undoubtedly there. Yeah, yesterday it was hard to see where the light was, wasn't it? There was, I was trying to look for positives um, in yesterday's performance and the weather was the main takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. I still like the look of Mariah Welsh. I think he he looks like a handy player. Well, that's what I mean. Like there's there's talent there, um, but it's it's getting the skillful, creative ones to be consistent, and then it's getting the grizzled, experienced pros to shut up shop and and keep some clean sheets. And and I'm going to keep banging on about it. We need to keep a clean sheet because. It's it's then that you have a platform to build. Even if you draw nil-nil against Carlisle, you can go, right, we've stopped the rot, we've got a point, we've kept a clean sheet, let's move forward. But it, th- if we keep giving away sloppy goals, then it is just it's eating away at you every week. Are we just not as good as last season? If you look at Azaz, he's gone to Plymouth, playing regularly in League One, doing well in League One. Cooper has been playing regularly for Swansea in the Championship. Do you just think, Admit, like you say, we've got talent in the squad, but are we just missing that X factor from those those kinds of players who clearly are capable at a higher level? Ollie, do you think that's that's part of the problem? I think what you have to remember as well is 
the start of last season obviously wasn't this bad, but we didn't really reach our full potential until around the October, November time. Like um, like we mentioned earlier, it took a while for the likes of Azaz and Cooper and Kane to kind of settle into the squad and kind of uh, for the team to gel as one. So you do kind of hope that the more games we go through, we become a stronger team. And if we get through this rough patch, we are become stronger. There's more of a unity between the squads, but it always feels like there's something not clicking there. There's one issue or as soon as that issue gets fixed and another one pops up. So it's a bit hard to see at the moment. I think overall we've got a weaker squad, but still not weak enough to be in a relegation fight or worrying about being bottom half. Before the season, I said we'd be just below halfway. I still think that's probably about right. We were never going to replace Azaz and Cooper and Kane because they were exceptional players and we were lucky to have all three of them at once. Um, I think we have done a reasonable fist of um, uh, of coming up with some good creative options in midfield. And I think Bogle is a very, very good player. You know, he's not going to hit 25 goals like Telford, but he could he could get near to that if he gets the service. I think the problem, and we diagnosed it over the summer, is the the bit of the team that most needed work at the end of last season was defence. But actually, that's where we had lots and lots of players contracted. And so you've kind of got to work with what you've got. Um, but again, we've got a manager who's famed for being this great coach. So, you know, work with the players you've got. Um, and we shouldn't be going backwards defensively from, from last season. Yeah, so that, that brings us on nicely to uh, to a listener question. When it says on the show notes, Paul, I'm assuming that's my dad. No, it's, it's it, there's, a, there's another Paul who isn't your dad, uh, who has, I think, is he at Limbim Timfin or something on uh, on Twitter? So, yeah, that was from him. Uh, so um, he asked, uh, Mickey's been our most consistent player since about 2017, um, but seems to be struggling this season. Um, why do you think that is father time or hmm. just symptomatic of the squad as a whole at the moment? I think age is playing a, a part in it. I think what well, he's 32 now, he'll be 33 in March. So, you know, as as a player gets older, the quality does drop off and individually he's quite good, but it's also about who's around him and how well they're playing. And do you feel like when he had Clark next to him and last season it was Pask and this season it's been Drysdale, they worked well as a unit, but the defensive uh, options we've had don't seem to have kind of gelled as well is last season, so you kind of think it's a mixture of every, it's a perfect storm of bad situations for him. He's aging, he's probably not with competent uh, partners in that defence, and it's just kind of taken a bit of a downturn for him. I don't think it's age. I think he's. He, I think he's still as um, as as competent as previously. I think the problem is, as Ollie alluded to, it, it's the lack of consistency around him. Sometimes we played a five, sometimes we played a three. He's had Drysdale play alongside him. He's had Farquhar Harson. He's had Clark. Mm-hmm. You know, we've changed left back more often than I changed my pants this year. You know, we need. We do need to just stick. Decide on the back line and and stick with it because I think 
you know, you can get away with bringing the changes a bit in midfield and up front. Um, but in defence, you want players who can second guess what the person next to them is going to do. And that's very difficult when you're chopping and changing all the time. And and I think we do just need to make some decisions and stick with them so that Dimitri knows what his partner at centre-half is going to do. He knows where his, his full-backs are going to be so that he can make those passes and those quick decisions without having to stop and think and analyse. And I think that would help a little bit with getting the ball out quicker. That's my best guess, Paul, in answer to your question. But what do you think, Reese? Well, I think you should change your pants more than twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's still very effective in the air. I think it's it's not a new problem, but I, I think pace is not his strength. If you watch the highlights again for their first goal, it was like he was running in treacle. But that's just, he, he's not the only League Two centre-half who's good in the air, good with a tackle, but not very quick. Yep. I don't think that's that's necessarily an issue. I think you need to either partner him with someone who can cover or you you need to defend with that understanding that you're vulnerable behind. And he's an intelligent player. I think he, he can do that. I think if you had that consistency of centre-half partnership, you'd probably, you'd probably get more of that understanding. Yeah, it's a difficult one, really, because it could just be a dip in form as well. And he's had dips in form before. He had one in... Near the start of last season, he, he had a bit of a dip in form and then he was phenomenal pretty much for the rest of the season. I, I'm not worried about about him as a as a League Two defender. I think he's got plenty more miles on the clock. Yeah, and I, think, I think there are much bigger problems, problems to fix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He wouldn't be the centre-half I'd be looking to change out of the two that played yesterday. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Okay, so difficult choice now. Um, looking for a player of the pod. Um, so over the last couple of games, who would you say... A difficult question to answer, especially off of the uh, two performances we've seen this week. Um, for me, I'm going to give it to Nathan Moroy Welsh because he's been the best of a bad bunch. He still looks quite energetic. Um, he's a very good passer of the ball and it looks like if he is the focal point of the team, he can make things tick and he's a very mature player for his age. But... Um, like I mentioned, it's hard to pick based off of the two performances we've seen this week. I mean, I think last time I went for, uh, or last time I was on anyway, I went for for Bogle, and it was interesting to what he like. He was visibly annoyed yesterday, going off the pitch at how bad the service had been to him. Um, and in a way, I hope that he was quite vocal about telling people about that in the dressing room because I think. He is our best player and we need to get the ball to him and give him the service. You know, he can't create something out of nothing. Um, but for me, I I think Scott Bennett, because he put in a good shift yesterday, he he actually showed some great touches. There are a few little tricks and flicks here and there, which you don't necessarily expect from him. But in terms of like players who were trying to make something happen, um, there weren't many. And I thought Scott Bennett was was the one who probably stood out. Yeah, you've you've stolen my two two nominations there between you. <laughs> Imagine if we'd won one nil and the goal was a Scott Bennett forty yarder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Scott Bennett was pretty good yesterday, um, in a unspectacular way as he often is. Um, he kept the ball moving quite nicely. If you to th- mention that pass map from Martin again, um, he's basically the spoke of the wheel, isn't he? That mm. everything seemed to be flowing through him, and he does that quite nicely and just tidies up and just keeps the ball moving. 
So I'd probably say Scott Bennett, but I do like Mariah Welsh. Um, he gets the ball and looks up. He's still positive when he gets the ball. He takes it on the half turn, gets the ball out of his feet quickly, and he looks to go forward with it. Um, and that's what I like about him. Um, so predictions. we got Horace Green at home in the spot of fan in the week. And then we got Carlisle at home next weekend. How do we how do we feel that's going to pan out for us? I, I don't care about the spot of fan. Um, uh, it's, it's all about Saturday for me. I'm I'm going to be bold and predict that we will get a nil-nil draw. People will still grumble and grouse, but a clean sheet and a point I think will will put us right. So I'm I'm going to try and be as positive as I can and say we will start the process of putting things right next Saturday with a nil-nil draw, and that will be a better result than it will look on paper. Yeah, similarly, I uh, echo Ed's sentiments with the Spotify trophy. I. Couldn't care who we play if we played the under 16s. Um, based on how we played against Exeter and the team we put out, I wouldn't be surprised if Robri rang the teams again, but it's all about Saturday. Um, I'm going to be slightly op- optimistic and say a 1 0 victory, but I'm also going to caveat that with some pessimism and say the fans won't accept it or be a paper over the crack situation, but a win is a win and point to points and people are going to argue if we win 5-0 or if we lose 5-0 so 1-0 win they will definitely argue if we lose 5-0 that's that's the, <laughs> that's the confident <laughs> prediction we can all make you, you know what I'm going to disagree with that I don't think they will argue if it's 5-0 they'll all, be <laughs> they'll all agree on something um, no I'm going to be uh, quite, quite I, I was confident yesterday I thought we'd get something out of the game um, but I'd like to see us get a 1-0 win and um, build. I think you're absolutely right that another performance um, like yesterday and another loss and the crowd will really will really turn. Given our, our average attendance last season was um, 4,300, wasn't it? I know we had a couple of games with big attendances, but we had, I think it was 3,600 yesterday. Around that, it was around 3,000, I think it was 3,733 with 133 away support, but it's a dip from the 4,000 that we was consistently getting last season. Yeah, and I think I think the crowd need a lift as well. Like From the, the Bisley, I didn't hear the, uh, the Amber Army singing for 60 minutes. I mean, I, I heard, in in fairness, they they were not given a lot to sing about, and I I said something about this on the message board earlier. Like, there is an onus on the players to come out early doors and just get the get the crowd going. You know, whether that's a couple of juicy challenges or or just you know getting the ball forward, just looking like we want to go out and win it and uh, give the get the crowd off their back a bit. They do they do need to do that and. Coming out and passing it along the back line for ten minutes doesn't necessarily do that in the way that I think they need. So on Saturday, again, they've got to come out and early on just get the crowd on board, show some intent, show a bit of uh, a bit of fight, and yeah, get everyone out their seats and singing a bit. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Admittedly, there wasn't much to much to crow about yesterday, but hopefully, hopefully there'll be an improvement. I think there was attacking intent there um, first half, just without any um, any cutting edge. Mm. All right then, so we will move on quickly to uh, any shout-outs or beefs. Um, Ollie, I saw that you uh, had some good comments about the uh, the minutes applause yesterday. Yeah, um, obviously 
that was kind of a, a one of the big points going into it for me. Um, I will head this by saying I'm, I am a Republican. I don't believe in the royal family, but I accept everyone has their opinions. I'm glad we went with the minutes applause because I feel like with the minutes silence, it leaves it open to booze and what people can see as possible disrespectful uh, behaviour. So I think well done to the club for avoiding that potential uh, news story and especially with some of the incidents we've had at home this season, I think it was uh, the right call to make to avoid any media storm. Not too many beefs. If I did have to throw one out, it would probably be people booing at the end. I know that we all feel a bit down and uh, a bit sombre about the performances so far. I don't think it's a deserving of a boo. I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me on that one, but not an overwhelmingly strong beef, more uh, praise to the club for making the right choice with the applause. I have got one solitary beef, which which is with the new uh, Tannoy announcer, who he sounds more like a wedding DJ than a football <laughs> announcer. And I, I couldn't hear the, the, the announcement of the attendance yesterday. There are a couple of other things that I, I missed here and there. Um, I'll just, you know, if we can't bring Tim Thraves back out of retirement, you know, this this guy needs to uh, find some form as well and find some consistency. So, yeah, double training for him this week. You need a, a Thravesy crush course, does he? Yeah, 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 exactly. Learn, learn some tips from the master. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, I said the same thing about the, the minutes applause. Avoids the booze, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree that that was the right decision. But as a general rule, not for this situation. Um I think a minute's silence is more impactful as a mark of respect, but I don't really care whether they did a minute's applause or a minute's silence yesterday. Yeah. Um, it completely unaffects me. So, yeah, that's that's my two cents worth on that one. Okay, then. Well, with that, um, all that's left is for me to thank the panel. Thank you, Ollie, and thank you, Ed, for joining me this evening. And sure. uh, hopefully we'll be back next week off the back of a dominant performance and win against Carlisle. Uh, So thank you very much for listening and keep it county. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.